Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm really excited today. I'm here with Mr. Frank Johnson. Frank has had, well, let's just put it this way. I got connected with Frank like I get connected with a lot of people on this podcast by talking to former guests. And whenever I, I meet with a former guest, I always say, hey, do you think there's somebody else that you know that might be appropriate for this podcast? And I always get a lot of different names, but I had a chance to talk with Bill Schwab from the Prior Center. And Bill was kind enough to share with me a couple of names of some people that he thought highly of. And one of those names was Frank Johnson, someone that um, has been a very close friend of Bill's for many, many years. And so I reached out to Mr. Johnson and actually asked him to do something else for me. And he agreed to that. And then I said, you know, let me push my luck and ask him to come on the podcast. So without further ado, Mr. Frank Johnson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. 
Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd love for you, as most of the people that listen to I Am Northwest Arkansas know, one of the things I like to do is establish who I'm speaking to. And I would love for you just to kind of give the cliff note version of your superhero origin story and what makes you special. I mean, that's kind of a, when you think of that question, though, it's kind of a a trick question because we're all special. But what makes Frank Johnson special? Well, let's see. I think I'll just tell the truth instead of letting a law linger. (laughs) Really much special, you know. My mother would probably say differently, but uh, I'm just another dude on on the corner with a guitar, just trying to make the best of things. And God has been good to me. He's put me in positions to do my best, and uh, I've just tried that. So I wouldn't say anything necessarily special. You know, perhaps just having the opportunity to be in law enforcement in Fayetteville for as long as I did and make so many friends like Dr. Schwab, you know, who was and continues to be a mentor for me. That whole sociology department back then are still close friends of mine. And a lot of what I was able to do, the accomplishments I had in law enforcement, I would credit to them for their mentorship. Wow. So, you know, and I, as I, as you're saying that you, you've been involved in law enforcement since what, about 79 or even earlier than that? No, no, you don't, you don't have to go here earlier. <laughs> I'm a relic, but not that old. <laughs> no, uh, I started at the Fayetteville Police Department as a police officer. Actually, I had a job as a dispatcher there real early. And uh, that was just real overwhelming. And I knew I didn't have what it took to do that job. And and I was really drawn to what the patrol officers were doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was studying sociology in college at the time, and there was parallel there. And so I took the civil service exam and scored high enough to be considered, to be chosen to be hired and started at Fayetteville PD in 1981, May, okay. I believe, 1981. Okay. okay. And what was that like? I mean, I know I talked to a lot of people that are from this area, like like from from here. And, you know, they say that this area has changed drastically in the last 10 or 15 years. That was a long time ago. Not that long. Okay, you're not a relic, but it was a long time ago. What was I would assume that you've seen some major changes in this area, especially Fayetteville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Perhaps not at its core. I think at its core. The community has a culture that's very unique, but with the growth and the generational changes and, and different, you know, there's going to be some changes. I believe Fayetteville to, you know, to still be a uh, culturally diverse community that is very welcoming mm-hmm. and has a city government for the most part that operates as efficiently as it can and seems to be doing a pretty good job offering citizens uh, a number of in- amenities that you don't see in other communities. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel very strongly about that because I'm excited about, you know, what Fayetteville has to offer. I just took my wife and kids through the new extension at the Fayetteville Public Library this weekend. And, you know, that's just one example of, you know, what makes Fayetteville unique. And I mean, organizations like Experience Fayetteville and of course the Fayetteville government itself, they do a great job of, of, extolling the virtues of this area. And so it's just, it's one jewel in the crown that is Northwest Arkansas and the other jewels being Springdale, Rogers and Bentonville. Right. And they, eat, they each have their own special place. I want to just ask you though, because it would be remiss. I'm just kind of doing the math here. 1981, 
Were there any other black police officers in Fayetteville at that time? Yeah, you're pretty good at math, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, no, I was it. Now, there was a a fellow, a Fayetteville guy by the name of Lewis Bryant. And, you know, I I should probably know a lot more about his story at the Fayetteville Police Department. And there was another guy, I can't remember his name offhand, but Lewis went on to the state police. And that's a whole different story there. And like I said, I can't remember any other guy, but I... I'm not sure I was necessarily the first. Okay? Right, right. But I was definitely the first that stood there, uh, you know, that stayed there for the length of time where I promoted through the ranks and became chief. Yeah, yeah. What year did you become chief? 2004. Okay, okay. All right. And at that time, though, weren't, were you, and I don't know if this is correct, but somebody said you were the first black police chief in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I, I, it seems like I would have known that. Yeah. You know, I mean, that stuff doesn't really, you know, stay on my radar too long anyway, but I would have known that. I don't think so. There was a fellow in Little Rock that brother in Little Rock that was there for a while, but I'm not sure if he predated me, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's today that stuff doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, it does to some people, just to be honest with you, I think it does to some because people always like first. Right. And I've talked about I've actually talked about my grandfather being the first African-American newscaster with ABC News, the network, which was a big deal back in 1962. Well, that is a big deal. Not being in Fayetteville. You can't give me that comparison. You were what I was thinking. Listen, but you know, it's funny. And and as we're recording this, it's February 1st, and it's the one month that's given to Black history, right? I mean, of Mm -hmm. course, now Black history has become a catchphrase throughout the year. But It is, you know, my grandfather always taught me that, you know, to respect those achievements and accomplishments because they're constantly happening, even if we don't realize it. And, you know, when I heard your story, I was like, wow, well, I definitely, whether it's true or not, you're still probably one of the first few black police chiefs in a predominantly white state. So, I mean, I I think that there's something to be said for that. And, And again, it's not so much, oh, my God, you know, you did that and nobody else could do it. I mean, there's other opportunities and I'm right. sure there are other black police chiefs now. But, you know, you, you obviously were able to blaze a trail in that way and create opportunities for other people. And I think that's more what I'm relying on than anything else, because that's what my grandfather did as the first newscaster. So, yeah. yeah. So that's the only reason why I brought that up. But so I would love for you just to kind of talk about you know, what has been or how did you interact with like, did you have a lot of interactions with some of the young, young people coming to this area that were coming to school at the U of A that, you know, they saw a black police officer, a black police chief and were able to to talk with you and maybe learn a little bit about the area? Occasionally, I would say that in retrospect, I wasn't as aggressive in that type of networking as I perhaps should have been. Mm hmm. But there would be times where, you know, I, I would have occasion, you know, to come to know some new couples, new African-American couples, you know, either because they had kids going to high school or something like that. And it wasn't always in, a, in an enforcement type of role or if they had a complaint about the police department or anything like that. Sometimes it was just because they wanted to meet. And those were those times were always refreshing. I just never organized any of that. I should have been more intentional about it in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, Tim Franklin, who's a lieutenant now at the Fayetteville Police Department, he does that. He's 
he's what I wish I would have been <laughs> during the time that I was there. He's very well connected in the community and does a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, you have work to do and and there is a job when you're, you know, trying to keep the public safe on a regular basis. And I think my experience here has been, you know, not that I've had a bunch of run-ins with the law, if you will, I'm using air quotes here, but I've never had any problems here. And I've, I've actually enjoyed meeting the police officers that I've enjoyed, that I've I got a chance to know and connect with. And, you know, I mean, I, I, that, honestly, I just can't always be said by a lot of African-American men and I'm just mm. being real here. So, and, mm-hmm. and of course, I've given my kids the talk and, and a lot of people ask what that is. And, you know, shows like Blackish have made that discussion famous about mm-hmm. what that means to have the talk with your young man because you don't want them to have an interaction. But you know, I grew up in a town, I grew up in a very diverse town in Teaneck, New Jersey. And my grandfather was, you know, at almost every city council meeting. So everybody knew him and they also knew who his grandkid was. So I didn't get a lot of blowback, but I also wasn't running around like a chicken with my head cut off either. But I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for going out and trying to build and establish relationships. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this to, you know, when we first moved here, one of the first things that we did was I think the first Christmas we were here, we went, my wife is a, an amazing baker and she makes some amazing chocolate chip cookies. And she went and, you know, she went to the local fire station near us because we live down on the south side of town by the golf course. And I remember us going up to the police station with my three boys because she wanted to introduce them to everybody. But she brought cookies to everybody at Christmas and that went over really well. And I think we did that a couple of years in a row. And, you know, sometimes you just, you, like you said the word earlier, intentional, you almost have to create those opportunities to make connections, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you're really never going to run into a cop unless you get in trouble. <laughs> that's that's the re- or you know one as you grow up and or as you you know you're out in the community. But I have several in my neighbor, uh, several neighbors that are police officers for the Fayetteville Police Department, and I've made a made it a point to introduce myself to them and get to know them. But you know, I just think it's those little things that we can do to to make those connections that are really important. And I think of I think a lot of police officers actually appreciate it. I would agree 100%. Fable, I got a bias. It's my own police department. But at the same time, you could go to them and say, well, what was it like working for Frank? And <laughs> it, would, it would be, if you're a taxpayer, it'd be real good. If you work right. for me, you're like, like, man, what a hard ass. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the one thing that I always knew about those guys, and it's even better now, and it's exemplified with Chief Reynolds is that they are very personable. Yeah. Very personal. These are guys who are raising their own families. Their kids are going to the same schools as yours are. They go shop at the same stores, go to the same parks. And they truly have an interest in the safety and security for every citizen that's here, regardless of ethnicity or any of that. And then if you really get to know them, it's even better because, you know, this is a true public servant. Yeah. You can look at him. You can say, oh, he's fed. He's in shape. He looks good in his uniform. He takes good care of himself. Mm-hmm. And if things get ugly, he can handle that. Right. Okay. But at the yeah. same time, that doesn't define who he is. He's the person who's going to talk to you. And I, that's going to be most of your favorite cops. Yeah. The ones right. who aren't like that, they couldn't. Chief Reynolds has a system in place that's nationally recognized that, you know, occasionally you get those personalities that can't deal with the job. They can't see you without being scared to death. 
Right. And uh, they get weeded out. They don't, a lot of them don't get hired. And then those who may slip through are weeded out. Well, yeah, you bring up a good point. And I mean, of course, obviously, law enforcement is under a microscope right now with everything that's been going on. I think it's, it, there has been a challenge there. And I think we know, like with anything, there's always going to be good and bad in every organization. And like you said, uh, some of those work to get weeded out. I would just say, what are your thoughts just in general? about the state of law enforcement in this country? And, and do you think that some of the recommendations that have been made, and again, I don't get political on this podcast, so I don't go one side or the other, but I mean, just general recommendations that have been made about you know getting more people that are really strong in the area of social work involved with community policing and, and things of that nature. Do you think that there could be some changes that could come about that would really wholesale make a police officer's job much easier? Yes, I do. To answer your question, yes. I don't believe it's necessarily making it, the, the police officer's job easier. I think, you know, law enforcement at its cultural core will require, I mean, it's being reimagined, if you will, and how, those, how law enforcement services are delivered in the most pragmatic police departments. And Fayetteville happens to be one of them. And you know, not to get too far in the weeds, I think your listeners would be interested in knowing that, as an example, there is a something occurring in law enforcement now, a thematic framework around evidence-based policing, where law enforcement strategies are being formulated based on sound, empirically-based academic input. And in many ways, that's a first for police departments. And that mindset, that way of working is being weaved into community engagement strategies. So you're partnering with key stakeholders in a community who want efficient public safety services. Okay. They want their children to feel safe in schools and parks and just out in public. Okay. And if something goes bad, they want someone competent to investigate crime. And most citizens are so far removed from that. And the only time they get close to it is if they become victim Mm -hmm. or in the case of George Floyd, you know, the most horrific murder that everyone saw on TV right there. And, you know, that could be like, is that how your question comes by? Is that how my department is? Is that how family police department is? Well, the answer to that is no. Yeah. But it just can't be a simple no, we're not like that. It has to be, we're not like that. Historically, this is the reason why, and for the future, this is how we improve on what we are now. And you're part of how we improve and bring the community into building what the strategies for public safety will be for the community. It's a great alignment to have in this evidence space. It works. It's something that Fayetteville is doing. Yeah, I've heard that over and over again. And, you know, obviously there have been studies done in, in other large police departments around the country where they are, they're moving towards this and they're having a lot of success. And so I think that, I think it's, you know, the time has come, obviously it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, a lot of it was born out of some really tragic events or challenging events, but, you know, I always say better late than never. And so it's, it's, let's, you know, we're, we're aware of things. We're aware of situations that need to be corrected or changed, and people are working towards that. And it takes time to see the fruit of your labor. I agree. I agree. And I think I've been fortunate enough to continue providing some training and to uh, both the Washington County Sheriff's Department and the Police Department with 
the Washington County Sheriff's Department is with Sheriff Helder, Tim Helder, yep. who we were both young men working together at Fayetteville Police Department. So it's kind of, you know, it's, I know him and I know that he is a man of highest integrity and his expectations for or how officers or deputies comport themselves with ethical standards of conduct. Same thing with Chief Reynolds. He was a student. He was one of my students when I was an adjunct professor at the U of A in criminal justice. So I've known these guys and I've seen them grow. So for them to have the tools that they need to fuel community engagement, to improve the police department is really significant. Okay. But the calculus of that requires key stakeholders in a community part in the community to understand what the police department is. So when they see George Floyd to Mayor Rice, well, just, you know, I mean, the list goes on just horrific cases. They can't look at Fayetteville through those lenses. Right. Fact of the matter is people do. Yeah. And Mike and Tim are without being defensive, fully transparent and prepared for their departments to be accountable for that how you communicate that to citizens on the front end of nurturing that relationship is somewhat of a challenge. And, you know, I like working with them on that, but the fact of the matter is those are senior leaders, department heads uh, in government in the towns we live in, and they are receptive to models of policing that a lot of jurisdictions uh, really uh, struggle with. And they are receptive to a lot. They're very pragmatic. Yeah, I don't know Chief Reynolds. I know people that know him and speak very highly of him like you do. I do know Sheriff Helder very well. He goes to my church and he is a member of my rotary group. And I do, I look at him as as a very upstanding individual and a good sheriff. And I think, you know, because I know he invited, got invited to come visit the the Washington County Correctional Facility. And I was really impressed. I got a chance to spend time with several of his deputies and they gave us a tour. I mean, it's obviously a place I don't really ever want to go, but I actually took the tour and I took my kids. Actually, we took several kids on the tour just to see it, you know, because I think it's important. You know, I was one of those kids. I'm, I'm 51, but I, I grew up, you know, I because it was filmed at Rahway Prison in New Jersey. I saw Scared Straight in school and it scared the hell out of me, no pun intended. And so I was like, always like, I'm never going to set foot in prison or go to jail for any reason. And uh, that worked. It worked for me. But I always I thought it was important, A, for my kids to see that real human beings run this place, meaning the, the jail, and also just to understand some of the challenges that a lot of people face that caused them to end up there. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we don't we don't ever talk about it. Right. It's like a dirty little secret. It's like, oh, it's kind of in the back there. But, you know, I think it's important to have those conversations early and often. And I've done it as an African-American male. I've spent a lot of time talking with my kids about it and understanding it. But I, I mean, I, I think regardless of race, everybody should be talking to their kids and having an understanding of, of you know, what that entails and what jail is all about and all this other stuff, because, you know, it's not like a video game where you get out of jail free. It doesn't work that way. So mm-hmm. you need to understand it. And I think understand that the people that work there, you know, have a job to do. And, and um, certainly we need to be, uh, you know, giving them as much respect as we can in the process. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, you know, this has really been educational. I mean, I'm sure we could talk at length and ad nauseum about this. And, and you know, there are other directions I would typically go on a podcast episode. But I mean, I think you shared, you know, quite a bit. And I know that that you are you're no longer in 
law enforcement per se, but you are still involved, which it sounds really good. But what are your hopes for the future of law enforcement as we see it today and, and where you see it in the next five to 10 years? Because there's clearly going to be some changes that are going to take place. What would you hope to see happen? Yes, absolutely. Uh, now in the next five years, uh, I tell the when we were actually meeting in person to train on 21st uh, century policing concepts, which uh, is a framework for policing that was uh, developed by the Obama administration in 2014. And it has some of the best minds in the country working within communities across the country to find best practices that culminated in a executive summary to the president and built out the framework for a model of policing that I think it's going to be really good for the time that we're in now. And the time that we're in now, and this is what I tell the, the folks, I told the folks when we were meeting in person on 21st century policing, is that you're you're a cop now in the middle of a civil rights movement. And yeah. you take a look back in your history and you'll see that, hey, we were, you know, operating from a basis of immorality more than anything else. And the role that we took in policing the civil rights movement and policing institutional racism. And, you know, you know, we've always been that thin veneer between us and them. Right. And we can no longer afford just to ride the winds of our historical past. We're policing a new civil rights movement. And you guys are here. If you get it right, you have to get it right. You have no choice. You have to get this right. And getting it right means being engaged with the community. Yeah. Because you know things are going to happen. There will be a white cop that shoots an unarmed African-American man. And you just can't, you know, go put all your riot gear on and get, you know, canned press statements ready and all that kind of, that kind of stuff doesn't go in favor. You have... The community engagement and the trust and transparency and the fact that citizens know that there's accountability with the police department, that's where establishing those relationships in the next few years is going to be critical as we police this new civil rights movement. Yeah. Getting some traction on that. Yeah, I think so. And and hopefully that trickles north, right? So it goes from Fayetteville up through Springdale and Rogers and and that's not a knock on any of those other police stations, uh, police departments. It's just that it's got to start somewhere. And everybody's got to buy into this idea that, hey, we got to do things the right way anyway. So we might as well do that and might as well include as many, bring as many people to the table as possible so that we, we're, we're not only are ensured that our efforts aren't going to be in vain, but also to let the public know that we're, we're with them 100% and we want them to be with us. Yep. You got it. Well said. Yeah. Well, listen, man, as we close out, I mean, as, as someone that's been here for a very long time, what would you say to somebody considering moving here to Northwest Arkansas, regardless of race or anything like that, just in general? I mean, what would you say to them about this area? Man, I would say it's, uh, you talking about black folks, essentially? Or just anybody. Anybody? anybody? Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's beautiful. I still think, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, a little town just south of Chicago, and if you look at it in Wikipedia, the first few lines starts known for gangs and violence. <laughs> Great, you know, but right, you know, it's worlds apart from anything that I ever experienced. I mean, just when you drive around, everything's new. Yeah, I mean, and then when you look at city government, you know, it, whether you like it or not, 
it's very diverse in yeah. its opinions. And you got a mayor who is so, I mean, that it's so approachable. Same thing with your police chief and mm-hmm. government is, is efficient and transparent and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's beautiful. Sometimes people drive too damn fast. So right, right. Watch out for that. But those those open roads and those those uh, transplants that are used to driving fast in other yeah. places. So you know, yeah. And then don't forget, it's a college town. Yeah, you know, and college kids can be a real pain in the ass sometimes, but <laughs> you gotta love them because they make right. it, you know what it is. You know, it, it is. And they are an economic driver of the community as well. <laughs> so you know, I mean, they bring all their all their daddy and mother's money up from Dallas and spend it. And, uh, you know, it's all good. So, yeah, I, so. I would just say, just come participate, get involved, do what you can to help us keep it clean. You know, sure. great case. Uh, I mean, the schools are great. I don't know if you know, Dr. Colbert, you know that he's oh, there. Yeah, absolutely. The top yes. and I put him right there with uh, at the top of my list of some of the uh, type of leaders we have in this town. So, yeah, I would welcome yeah. people. Yeah. And for those that, that don't know, Dr. Colbert is the superintendent of the Fayetteville Public School System, uh, a really all around great guy. Actually, I know him personally. And uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, just, uh, the, you know, he's just just a really good person. Last question. Where do you like to go eat when you're hungry? And you're not eating at home. Kind of like my favorite place. Yes. Oh, man, that's easy. Sitting at the bar at Hugo's. I knew you were going to say (laughs) Okay. I haven't been there in a long time, but I knew those kids uh, worked so hard and they were beautiful. And I love this. You know, that's that's my place. I can't wait to go back. No, I know. I'm the same way. Those fries are amazing and I miss them. They come out so perfectly crisp right out of the uh, fryer. So definitely uh, we'll put a link into, uh, into Hugo's in the show notes for this episode. So, you know, Mr. Johnson, I really appreciate you taking time to, to connect with me and to share your story with our audience. If anybody wanted to reach out or, or connect with you in any way, is there, is there any way for them to do that? What would be the best way? Yeah. You just uh, send me an email, uh, Frank.Johnson at Walmart.com. <laughs> you know, so long for as long as I'm there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but so. that's the, and of course, if uh, uh, you want to reach out to me, that'd be fine. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Well, I appreciate that. And the listeners certainly do appreciate that. And we'll, we'll be sure to put all this stuff in the show notes so folks know how to connect with you. But uh, Frank Johnson, thank you so much for joining us on I Am Northwest Arkansas. And you you really made this this conversation a joy to hear. So I, I can't wait to share it with the rest of the uh, the world. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it. And please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Our podcast comes out every Monday. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for a new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.